0: Kiora and welcome to Unsung NZ, the show, the podcast, where I share with the world the songs new zealand loves i'm your host Christiane, and this episode we are gonna get behind mark williams uh didn't he have a disco song called house for sale 70s no no he yes he did but it's not that mark williams it's mark rhythm slave williams and he's been with us a long time as well he started out as a kid with oj and the rhythm slave because he was the rhythm slave um we'll find out how we got that name Um, Also, um, he is, you know, he was in his 20s when he started the True School Hip Hop show on 95BFM A really seminal hip hop show done in the proper way True School Hip Hop Um, Kept on moving forward with hip hop joint force Then he moved into television of course, got into the Mo Show Um, and then he somehow became part of New Zealand's most uh, successful touring band Fat Freddy's Uh, Let's find out how that happens This episode So let's get into it Let's get in behind the minds that make the music This week This episode Mark Williams Mark Rhythm Slave Williams Let's do it Unsung NZ But whoa, whoa, whoa I keep forgetting um there's a heap of detail in the notes um i talk really quickly with some friends and some people i don't know um i've got a podcast coming up with a guy i've never met i'm just trying to say there are show notes like crazy um anyway i've linked to everybody we talk about not show notes in the show notes there are links to everybody we talk about every drum machine we talk about every piece of software we talk about um, I have diligently put into the links in the show, so go uh, go look at those show notes and go subscribe. Anyway, back to it. Oh, sorry, slave. Here we go. Boom. It's a little bit of slow disco. That's all I do now. I love it. Like, hey, this is usually called unsung NZ. Unsung. How, how's your headphones? There? I'm gonna get. Because I was just thinking. A lot of people have had to do a lot of research because it's a behind
1: the scenes kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Then I realize you've kind of been in the front of the scenes. In so, front? so it's a different, this is a different sort of turn for for, for my- I've been a
1: b- behind the scenes, I've been in front of the scenes, I've been around the scenes.
0: Yeah, but I sort of feel like I know you more than I did, you know, sort of um, Yo- like Yoast and stuff like that. Yeah, right. It hasn't had TV shows and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, And radio shows that have gone and gone and
1: gone. And yeah. gone and gone?
0: Yeah. So yeah. this is sort of so so more uh, so I want to know more about you really. So okay. uh, so, so this is gonna be our long form tricky, cheer interview. Right
1: on, Christian. Yeah, so, so let's go. Let's go. So you are obviously an import. I yes, yes, technically I am an import, yes. I was born in California. Wow, whereabouts? In Palo Alto. Wow. Um, Stanford uh, uh, s- uh, Stan- Fancy Town, Stanford Hospital. Well, it, Palo Alto uh, in the in the early seventies is not what it is now. It was a, a coastal village, I guess. Um, now it's the hub of mm. all things interwebs. Wow, um, that er- that part of the world, I guess. Um, but but yeah, back then it was uh, just a part of Northern California, the sort of Bay Area. So yeah, we I was born there.
0: Yeah, and your dad's family and. When did you leave there
1: We I My my mother's a New Zealander Oh So So my dad was um, Actually born in Canada But raised In the Bay Area Alright And then um, uh, And yeah And I Well I guess Far out I I was born in What 72 And um, I came I lived I came We came to New Zealand To visit and stay with our parents uh, Our grandparents uh, when I was about eight years old, I went to school in Onehunga, St. Oh, okay. Joseph's in Onehunga. So I got a taste of uh, New Zealand culture as a as a as a kid. Eight? Did
0: you say eight, eight years old? Years and old. so you spent a, y- a while here,
1: like about, a, year, about just under a year. Then we went back to California. Um, I lived on the East Coast for a while, a while in Delaware mm-hmm. um, with my father, and then um, about 1986 we moved to New Zealand.
0: Oh yeah, that's kind of weird. and so what. Force the move, but nothing. You've realised how good New Zealand was, and
1: oh, well, wanna- to move here. Well, I guess my, my parents had broken up. Oh, yeah. Um, dad, um, yeah, they'd broken up. Mum, I think at that time was like she really wanted us to have a a proper taste of where she was from. Mm-hmm. You know, have a have a real. You know, come see where her country. Yeah. Um, and I guess I don't know. It's funny. It, <clears throat> I I left kicking and screaming. Really, I I didn't want to leave. California?
0: No. You know. Why would you?
1: Um, um, as a kid, you know, I was like, "Hell no!"
0: I had skateboarding's here, sk- man. I'm
1: skateboarder, and I'm into my stuff. I'm, used, I'm gonna get my summer job at Disneyland down the road. You know what I mean? I, 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 kind of, I did have all these dreams, but, um, but it just, it was just the way it worked out, and uh, we came down here, and I quickly, even though I left kicking and screaming. And didn't,
0: sorry, just we
1: is. Huh? We, li- my you- sister and I, so and, my, just- and my and my mother. mother. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we pretty much got on a plane with a, a, a suitcase <laughs> each, and uh, and stuffed. I remember sitting on the on the flight, like all our all our precious belongings. And I, I guess the I guess the thing was is that, though I I was reluctant to. Uh, to come here, yeah. mm. and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going back into back in time." Mm. You know, uh, uh, I was. It didn't take me long to just realize that I, I better just get on with it, and uh, you know, try and make the most of of the situation. Yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, and you arrived back at hunger Do you? What is there any connection still there?
1: Um, no, um, that was where my grandparents' house was. Um, so I guess uh, I'm
0: asking schooling. What happened?
1: Uh, schooling, oh, I went into, straight into high school mm. Um, at Selwyn College in Koemarama on in, uh, in the eastern yes, suburbs.
0: Yes, that seems like a liberal college from well, it, what I'm hearing. Well, it
1: certainly was. At that time, it, it, it was. And I think, you know, from memory, I mean, it's going back a bit now, but, you know, there was talk, I remember, you know, like mum's... I think mum's brother and and like people like that had you know and family friends you know they'd gone to Auckland Grammar and you know they'd gone to a good boy's school and stuff like that and friends of my mum's had said oh having met me and sort of got to know me they realised oh you know Mark's not going to play on the first 15 Mm -hmm. you know he's not he's I don't know anything about rugby or Mm -hmm. anything you know this the you know that sort of thing and I was more i guess artistically inclined mm-hmm. you know a friend of mum's who worked at uh, auckland university so i said oh well what about Selwyn college and as it turned out mum ended up finding us a house up in kohi marama blocks from Selwyn college right, so right, right. it was just yeah, there yeah. it is there's yeah, the school too. boom boom and it was a good thing so
0: what were the artistic thingies that were showing
1: i was real. i mean i was really into um I was really into music and I was really into drama and you know uh, my 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 uncle was a quite successful character actor in 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 Los Angeles. Oh yeah. And, um, so, and I was really in awe of that whole thing he used to take me to auditions and take me you know do little missions And
0: is, I, he, is he a name I can put in the show notes oh
1: well, his name's John McCleam but he, he would you know he's he, uh, he's not he's not like a, a name he's the sort he's the sort of guy you see you know you're watching late night television old movie and he's in the movie it's like oh god I didn't realise he was in that oh he's in that oh he's in that it's that.
0: sort like, of a dream the character actor life yeah, yeah I think yeah, yeah.
1: well there's certainly a lot of longevity mm. in being a character mm. actor you kind of there's lots of um yeah i think there's yeah. definitely you got a lot there's a lot of angles i guess yeah, yeah. so yeah i was very inspired by him and um but the you know at at school you know the music department was really healthy the art department was was mm. really healthy and and uh there's a lot of talented kids there and um and so yeah that just sort of took off when i realized i could spend you know my lunch times in the in the music room playing drums and stuff like that it was just like Okay, that's me. You know,
0: cool. and you done how much music uh, you done in America? You know, as a kid,
1: oh, uh, n- none really. Just listening, just listening, and what you mostly pre- appreciating music. You and know? so you
0: knew between that eight and twelve, or whatever it is, those sort of interesting years. You know that you were musically inclined then.
1: Yeah, I was always. I was. I was. I used to sit, by, you know, I. I was a huge fan of the radio mm-hmm. uh, i used to listen to it religiously i was a kid who would sit up and make mixtapes with the cassette Set and pause and, and pause, pause tapes you know record songs off the radio and make mm-hmm. my own mixes i did that i started that really young you know i uh, remember uh,
0: I, when i think of that i think of rock down to
1: electric
0: fm That sounds good
1: yeah it was it was it was cool there was lots of cool um there's lots of interesting radio happening in los angeles at that time um, there was a station called KROQ, uh, the world-famous KROQ. Mm. It was like an 80s. It was sort of, sort of punk in the new wave and sort of all that sort of 80s. Mm. For its time, it was a very, um, quite a revolutionary radio station. You mm. know, they were pushing a lot of that new, all that 80s stuff. And there was also a show called... Um, Doctor Demento.
0: Oh yes. Do you yeah. familiar with him? Um, only because he sort of made Weird Al Yankovic sort of took his mantle,
1: I, I believe, and that sort of. Well, no, you know, no. Like, I think Doctor sort of... Demento actually gave Weird Al his break. Okay, he so, made sorry, him. Yes, fa- yes. He made him famous. Okay, that's how. Um, by playing his parodies, and he he would do this sort of Sunday night show. I think it was on KLOS. I yep. mm-hmm. i don't know but it was um you know dr Demento, and he'd played he was quite a crazy guy and he had sort of noise makers and he was quite kooky He yeah, was quite and yeah. he played sort of parody and comedy music and all sorts of stuff and I, as a kid i thought oh, that he's was. he's
0: the the novelty hits guy yeah it was like yeah. novelty.
1: He, he did compilations of novelty mm, hits mm, and mm. stuff like that so as a kid i used to like stay up late on a wow. sunday night and listen to these shows there was also a guy called rodney bingham Binghamheimer. oh my gosh who's a very famous he's still going he's still he does shows on serious fm and he he did a show on k-rock which was sort of like you know it was just like the alternative sort of punk and you'd hear the ramones for the first time and he was always he was the guy who broke artists you know right, what I mean? cool um and um so yeah so i had these sort of you know i mean, i guess even like rick d's you know he yeah. was on every morning in los mm. angeles wow. and people like that you know I, yeah i really i really loved the radio and my mom had given me this old japanese it was like a, a japanese ghetto blaster that she'd had for years she lived in she'd lived in japan for a minute and uh it had a turntable on it Ooh. and a cassette, so you fold it out. You mm. know, it would fold down. Had the turntable, had the cassette, and so yeah. that's that was the the machine I wow. used to make my. That was the music center. That was my. That was the music center. Yeah, and you
0: you're, well. You're still very radio.
1: Ah, yeah, I love it. It's been a lot. Li- it's a it's a lifelong love.
0: I do love radio because of its immediacy.
1: Totally. Mm. I I that's I I love that about it mm. as well.
0: I'm doing a podcast while saying all this. I'm loving the post production I get to do of the editing that I could never do on radio. Yeah,
1: you know. I I like that. I just feel like sometimes you know the um, the fact that you've got a safety net to be able to do post production. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you know you find yourself second guessing yourself, you know, and polishing everything. Whereas I like the the thing about the live radio. I mean, more and more people do pre record things, whether they be podcasts or even the most of the radio you hear. Uh, you know day to day if you just jump in, in the yeah. car or at the gas station or whatever you're like um sequenced up it, it's all it's <laughs> all it's all prepped you know yeah, yeah. but um I do love the I love the uh, mm. on the fly stuff and if you do if you do fuck it up then you just you know you move mm. along you quickly move along you' apologize yeah it's the it's the immediate it is the immediacy of it and the sort of um the community yeah. it creates you around know, that uh,
0: The internet seems slow compared to radio. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right.
1: I mean, I don't know why it still um, works so well, but, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it is the immediacy and, and, yeah, the community of it, Mm. uh, which I love, particularly. I mean, I guess nowadays people have lots of other... Yeah you know, obviously we've got lots of other ways of communicating and
0: Yeah but when I listen to pirate radio in London and you know and the song was made last night
1: yeah. and there's that in en- there's a it's, there's an energy to it.
0: Yeah pirate radio in London feels like a 100% freestyle being heard 24 hours a day yeah. like the energy is just fizzing. Yeah
1: yeah Actually, yeah. Actually my
0: wife said she you were the first person who freestyled in front of her. And oh, she, my she she never realized that's the ex- that's the rush that's the bit everyone is that's so exciting. There's a 40% increase in energy in the person's being yeah, as it, their brain is stretching and pulling. Every rapper, as soon as they hit off the freestyle into something you know, you can, ju- you can just feel the gas come off and yeah, you know it immediately. Right,
1: right that's right. The that
0: joy to her was she didn't know about any of that. And then one day while you're all standing around, the topic was brought up and it happened, and then she felt that rush.
1: Oh, and yeah. it is a rush. It is a to- That is a total rush to be put on the spot like that. I mean, it's not it's not always it's not always an enjoyable experience, but the energy that you get from from that yeah. from being put on the spot and sort of coming up with something
0: and that clearing of the subconscious that lets the you, 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 somehow part of you gets out of the way.
1: I don't that's <laughs> I don't think I was ever particularly great at it. I just it's just but the but I love. I mean, even with when performing or something like that with Freddy's or whatever, you know, the, sometimes I just I force myself. I just throw it. I just push. Mm put myself in that zone and force myself and even if it's only eight bars mm. it's just eight bars of hang on to your seat mm, yeah. and, and then, hope it works and yeah. sometimes it does sometimes yeah. it doesn't but you know it's um, yeah it is a it is yeah. a fun energy for yeah, sure yeah it is
0: <laughs> no so I'm trying to rewind back to because you were listening to the radio and, uh, and now I sort of realise that you actually mentioned the entire format of radio which I now realise oh that's right you really are a radio
1: yeah. type but yeah.
0: what was musically were you connecting with at that age
1: uh, well like i said i was i, I was into I, I was into all sorts of music uh, you know the, the first time i heard the specials or the english beat the scar the mm-hmm. sort of the new um run of scar those mm-hmm. bands the english bands i mean that was i guess that was particular about karaoke is that the english music was coming through, yeah, yeah. which often didn't get a spot on American radio.
0: LA was quite flat in that early eighties. Oh yeah, there was, there was nothing in a Joy Division era. Yes, America's creating nothing. Yeah, you no, know that's what I mean? right. In, in a sort
1: of yeah, that's ilk. right. There was not. There was not. So I was that kind of that really interested me. And I guess the other thing was music videos and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, the dawn of MTV. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was a kid watching MTV mm-hmm. on the first day it started. Wow, yeah, you know, I, I I was you know I watched Live Aid. Oh, you know, yeah. you know what I mean, things like that. I was just, I was really, me and my sister used to argue, you know, she'd want to watch Little House on the Prairie when we got home from school. I wanted to watch the music videos, you know, we'd fight over the TV. So it was just always an interest. And yeah, and I, we lived in um, Southern California in a place called Costa Mesa in Orange County and uh, sort of by Newport Beach area, just mm. inland from there. And um, there was a lot of um, electro. That was sort right. of my first hip hop.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, my first introduction to hip hop was sort of through the the electro sounds Some and the,
0: electro rapping.
1: Yeah, breakdancing was probably really this my first exposure to mm. hip hop culture mm. it was just through through um, yeah the break break dances just took off. Every kid in the neighborhood had a, a refrigerator, cardboard, yeah, and everybody wanted to break dance. Everyone wanted to backspin. Everyone wanted to pop, and um and I got really into that. And a friend of mine, <clears throat> a friend of mine, to this day. Miguel his his um his elder sister went out with a DJ he she, she, who had his own little portable sound system cool. had the speakers with the lights blinking lights in it and yeah. stuff like that cool. and so we'd be like the young kids sitting around outside the garage with them um, mm. l- listening to this music so all that you know early electro R&B soul rap music that's what first made me my ears sort of
0: can you think of a song so we can play a tiny piece of it as part of the format
1: if you, well, what? Oh, I can't even remember the name of it uh, oh, I can't remember I can't remember offhand
0: I'll, I'll Shazam that just so, just, we'll work it out <laughs> what well, I'll do is I'll cut it in like a really I went oh yeah of course
1: I, I'm trying to think what the name uh, That's, that sounds like a lot of riffs to yeah me. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was just all that. It was was all that stuff.
0: I'm really good at this. (laughs) Come on, man. This is this is where I shine. No, honestly, I can't remember.
1: But (laughs) but the point is, is that it was just like, yeah, that was that was my introduction to that sound, you know, and Mm. then what I got and how I got into, I guess, into the hip hop thing. This was Mm. was listening to that stuff, and it was all, it was more like. Disco, you know, discoy R, you know, yeah, electro R and B, mm. than it was rap music. Yeah, you know what I mean. It wasn't really rap; it hadn't really become rap music yeah. then.
0: Was this is pre the show, do you think? It must have been.
1: Uh, maybe around the same time, time right. but I just, I just hadn't been exposed to it. And plus, know? those
0: coasts would probably, because as a Kiwi, you're getting stuff squished from America. There's no coastal separation. Well,
1: I th- this is the beauty. I mean, this is always one thing I felt about it being in New Zealand is that. We um we got we received the best mm. of everywhere, mm. so you know we weren't um you know if you're a kid in little in California, you're just getting what's going on mm. there, yeah. but in New Zealand, because the people here and the record collectors and the record shops and that stuff are so hungry and having to wait months for these <laughs> records to <laughs> arrive yeah. and getting music magazines three months after the fact, you know what i mean mm, we, yeah. it's, so there was this this hunger. That made um, made our our scenes quite uh, amazing. I thought because you know we did get the best of England, the UK. Mm-hmm. We get the best of New York. You get the mm-hmm. best of um, LA, and mm-hmm. so and sort of all put through this sort of filter, mm-hmm. and so we so we had this kind of an interesting mash of all. Of all these flavors, you know. And well, I, I
0: found that with the television too. We'd look at Sesame Street forced on us. I didn't yeah. realize that Americans weren't watching it because it was on PBS and they hated that.
1: I, I watched. I Go, was a Sesame Street kid. Good. Hard out.
0: But you know, then we got really good English comedy, and you know, we got the good yeah. Jewish stand-up sort of stuff coming from New York, and then we've got the it was Faulty Towers. So kind of lucky.
1: I think, particularly in those days, it was like. People saw that oh you know we're so far away we have to wait for so long and blah 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 but it was actually the filter was actually good we kind of got hand picked yeah. the best of yeah, it exactly.
0: all. I wonder how different New Zealand would be musically if Cayenne had never moved here. <laughs> That's an incredible amount of influence.
1: He introduced a lot of great stuff to people to a lot of people <laughs> yeah. and you know what he still does. I know. He, he, he I will th-
0: link to his weekly uh, SoundCloud is ear shots
1: he, yeah he mm. always puts me onto stuff he's always he's always saying hey and, and he's very um, thoughtful like I know this I know you will like this oh
0: he'll buy stuff knowing you'll
1: sell it to you because that's a skill well that's all part of the angle uh, isn't I know, it but
0: yeah no he does He. I've been in there I remember when he did um, I know you like it but I love you and when that song first came out he goes hey there's this R&B group you've got to hear this thing and it was that song I know, know
1: you like this yeah, yeah I mean that's right it's a trait that any any uh, good record um, yeah. s- shop store owner with their salt has yeah. and that's as they go you come in, oh I'm after some stuff and you go, mm. grab five records, yeah. put them in your put, have a listen to these yeah. and they're like a doctor they kind of know what yeah. to prescribe no, absolutely. to to um, to their patients yeah,
0: the <laughs> people don't know that DJs have DJs before them,
1: with with vinyl
0: coming in, mine were preceded by Kyan and Greg,
1: well that's right <laughs> I mean, Big no, that's right, and, and and any any great record shop is like that, you know. Mm-hmm. They, you've already got the taste, the taste making, and a bit of the, you know, sorting the, sorting out the good stuff has mm. already halfway been done. Yeah, yeah. And then you, they would go, oh, Mark's here, okay, I know he's into that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to this day, I still take all my cues from my friends and people who I respect in music you know I get that that net has grown further because mm. I can listen to you know I can listen to J-Rock in Los Angeles or Lefto mm. in Belgium or yeah, yeah, yeah. you know Giles Peterson and you know I can listen to I've got access but mostly it was like it really was for my friends gonna be mm. like Kyan oh he play, that was a mean jet oh Manuel you played me that mean jet yeah. yeah all my the DJs were always yeah super and still are super influential yeah yeah
0: are cool and so I'm winding backwards and forwards. Oh yeah! So, did you do any music at school?
1: I did do I did do music, but I, it was really it was just all practical for me. I mean, I, I was ter- my music theory and all that mm. stuff was terrible. I was I was useless, and I was just didn't apply. You know, <laughs> it was all about actually just be- having access and being able to jam. Started a band with my friend Nick and Gabriel. We started this band, and you know, three little three piece guitar band. You know, and we liked I mean, we liked everything, but we were playing like. You know blues and Led Zepp covers oh. and played a bit of everything. You know right. what I mean? And it was heaps of fun. It was just like played in the stage band. You know, played mm. with the school school orchestra, playing drums with them. And, you know mm. what I mean? So yeah, I got I got into. I don't. I wouldn't say I was ever a great drummer, but I could I could hold it down. Oh
0: nice. Well, you're doing. Yeah. Well, it's obviously better than I thought. If you're playing in the
1: yeah, I've made it to the, made it to the stage, stage band. Stage Did you
0: do any stage work? So you, since you're interested in drama.
1: Oh yeah, I did it all through high school. I did all the all the all the shows, all the all the plays, all the musicals. I did it all.
0: Did it all. Yeah. Because it was the only reason.
1: It was the only reason I could stay at school, really, because I, well, it, it, I got so obs- obsessed with all that, with the music and drama that that just became almost like a full time thing by my by the my, by my seventh form year, by sixth form, you know, people are mm. dropping off and yeah, going yeah. To get trades or go to AET or you know doing other things or mm. apprenticeships or what have you. I wasn't really going to do that, so I just threw myself in one hundred percent. All I did was, I did just did drama and music in my last year. And if I wasn't doing it, I was tutored, I was taking, you know, the younger kids. I was helping as a sort of tutor. Wow. Yeah.
0: So you, I oh, see. So, so at the end of school, you already know this is pretty much. Oh what yeah, you're no, getting.
1: I wow. was I was sort of very pig headed. It's like this is what I want to do. Wow. And oh. I was and it was always like. Yeah, you know, there was, of course, there's always those conversations, oh, you need to get a, you know, have a backstop or get a thing. But I always saw that as a, well, I I, I don't want to do that because then that means, you know, I I had my eyes firmly on this sort of prize Mm -hmm. that I wanted to do this sort of thing, you know.
0: So after you left school, when did you meet Otis? When how we did met de- at
1: high school? Yeah, yeah we yeah. met at high school. In fact, he was he was um, the kid who, as the legend goes, and it's a bit furry, but the legend goes that I, I arrived at school. They said, you know, here's the new here's the new apple pie faced American kid. Um, you know, okay, and some kids were making some cracks in the corner. And the teacher said, hey, okay, since you guys think it's so amazing, you can look after him for the, you know, yeah. you can look after him. And Otis was one of those kids. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we sort of met uh, almost practically on my first, first day. Days. I was still, I, I st- think I still had jet lag when I started school. I was sort of straight off the plane. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So you
0: can't confirm or deny that one? Don't know what happened? That's pretty much how it happened. And when did you guys click?
1: Um, I guess it took a minute. I mean, it was just part of the framework. It was already a pretty interesting character, you know yeah. what I mean? He was like, he had a leather jacket and spiky hair, and he was, looked a bit punk rock, you know yeah. what I mean? He was, a bit, But he was right into, you know, he was into his scar. He played mm-hmm. saxophone. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was kind of like- and i think at that time it was what was it 86 so you know there was all these different styles and it was also i think that part of it was let's say people were like fully all out to express themselves right, now yeah. that the now that the uniforms right, were off so right. the suddenly the kid in the in the normal uniform came to school and he's a he's a gothic right you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I being from california i didn't know what it, gothic was like yeah. what the hell is that or what's a you know it's all too these
0: hot, too hot for gothics
1: mods the mod look or the rock mm. you know the, right, the punks or the you know it was like all these different um styles mm. that i i was sort of pretty unaware of. i mean i had my style i was like wearing chuck taylor's and a pair of levi's and stuff like that you know which was all very american kid mm. and every and to my surprise was other kids were like wow you got chuck taylor's wow and i was like they're just shoes you know i didn't think of them as a style thing yeah so i was kind of really blown away by all the kids and their sort of um self-expression <laughs>
0: they fully formed attitudes <laughs> they fully formed wow.
1: attitudes they were quite yeah. you know uh you know quite it was just a really interesting bunch of kids and i and, you know i to this day i mean i i'm friends with. i still have many friends from that from that time um you know we still stay in touch and mm. and um yeah, they're real. I feel lucky to have landed in such an interesting bunch of kids, you know.
0: Do you see Otis much now? Well, how much do you see him at the moment?
1: Yeah, he, li- he doesn't live too far from here. No. And, yeah, you no, know, no, we see each other fairly regularly. We'll mm. catch up at least once a month, mm. you know, hang out. Yeah, cool. Talk, talk rubbish. Yeah. Drink some beers,
0: you know. Good stuff. And yeah. I actually listened to that first stuff. That's house.
1: When it's funny, yeah, this is like, a lot yeah, of house. This house here's There's a lot house. of house on our record, yeah. Is that
0: all George Hubbard? Because there's one that goes, it's almost got the organ. Baseline. Is that George Hubbard dum, doing dum, that? Because he was
1: Because
0: yeah, he was into, into that kind <laughs> of New York underground club scene he really was. early. And I, I he think was. he was playing house before it was really a
1: thing. George was just right into his drum machines. He was mad, mad into his rolling drum machines.
2: My mama said... My mama said, My mama said when I was young, not to stick out my big tongue. But when I see the girls go by, I have to stop and wonder why. I want these girls oh so much. I can look, but I cannot touch. I just don't yeah,
1: He'd stay up all night and jump program. He loved it. He was mad for it. And uh, it was funny because, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, he, he 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 would just play that shit all the time. You know, it's funny. Otis and I were, you know, we would started our little rap group, which was just us having fun. Really, we we wrote a few songs. You mm. know, but there was never well, it never en- seemed serious. No, no, yeah, no, hell no. We were just it was fun. It was just a, it was just it, it was entertaining for us. Mm. And we sort of done a few numbers, and we just started doing it, like parties would happen or whatever, and people would be like, "Hey guys, why don't you do a number?" So, mm, yeah. and we were kind of fearless, you know, shameless and shameless mostly and fearless <laughs> yeah. and we just go oh yeah let's do it so we would do it, and that just sort of it just kept happening we'd go to a party blah 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 do it get up do something then you know like the local punk rock crew girls the the boot girls they were like a legendary crew mm-hmm. in central auckland boot girls used to throw parties we were friends with them you know from mm-hmm. the around the neighborhood you know uh, <laughs> we'd buy tinnies off them <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and they were like oh why don't you come you know come play why don't you guys play our party so we play the punk, play the punk rock kids party right. and do this stuff and then uh and then in town you know there's the big the parties in k- off k road on Galatos street you know the offbeat parties mm. you know um you know uh josh otis's other brother say oh that boy's gonna want why don't you get up so we get up we perform at that and then sort of tear the house down and it was like oh good and i don't know for i don't remember the exact time but George caught mm. us at one of those right. events.
0: So he knew you at that page you were really a party band, not a Yeah. Yeah, it was a party band.
1: Yeah, I guess we were a party band. We we just um we you know, exactly. We were just there to play it Yeah. Do do a few you no know, do a little fifteen minute set here, there and everywhere mm. and we sort of would just do it for for our fun. Mm. And then um yeah, and I guess George was the first person that we ever met with who actually had equipment. You mm. know. He yeah. had he had a drum machine. Yeah. He had these things that were seemed so out of Uh, our reach you know and he had friend daniel barnes his friend daniel barnes you know he had an awesome studio and a sampler and all these things and a little home studio set up and these were complete these were Hmm. completely foreign concepts to us we had no idea about that that end of it we just would beat box and rap so it wasn't like we didn't we just sort of fell, fell into and they were like hey well why don't we produce you some tracks and I think george, george by that point had already um you know
0: done a cut a posse track or two well, yeah.
1: po- he yeah. was, was you know yeah. partly responsible for the Abha posse album you know yeah, he, yeah. he had his hand yeah. over that he managed them he helped make beats with them yeah so um and i think in that when they moved to auckland um, yeah, yeah, I guess that's how I. You – know, you you'd have to ask George. Well, I will get George on. Because yeah, you should he, get he, George. George would be a fascinating yeah, interview. Yeah, he
0: would be an incredible interview. Cause, he would be. Because I remember the weekend he came back and said, I've just seen these kids uh, up at Posse. They just did a, at a talent
1: quest and thing. And he's- Yeah, I mean, George is a fascinating character, and he, he kind of is a little bit unsung hero in all of that. Should, does
0: he want to be every – Guess has to bring up an unsung hero. Would you like George to be your unsung hero? I would
1: say George would be. I think it's a good call. I think George's would definitely be because he is. I know the Dean and you know Daryl and that. You know, be like they. They. I mean, they love George. Actually, mm. the truth is, is that. But there was a love. There was a conflict. You know, of, George of, creates the conflict, though. Yeah,
0: he, I, I and guess those so. Two, you know, everyone we're talking about here has got a bit of an edge, but
1: George. <laughs> it's is, true. He's quite ahead of his time. You got to mm, talk to him. Yep. You got to find track him down. And, was, and he was always
0: into sort of tech head and yes. um, and and Adrian
1: yeah Schubert Adrian Sherwood that,
0: uh, that heap of programming stuff he loved the programming. I
1: mean that's the th- that's the, another interesting thing about that time as well. I mean coming up, I mean the hip hop the hip hop scene was developing, but like I said before, like how in New Zealand we took our influences from lots of places. You know, we were into hip hop, but we are also into lots of reggae music and we we're into the dub stars coming out of the uk mm-hmm. and and on new sound stuff and that so all these influences the reggae influence was big and that you know the the deep dub you know in uk electronic sort of stuff mm. was there and the house mm. was in you know house mm. music was in there that mash-up of stuff it was never I found that as years went by, it became such a purist thing, you know, it's like hip hop was this, became this sort of very purist thing, was quite religious. Mm. And I was like, all the reasons I fell in love with it was because it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And it borrowed from all forms of music and stuff. So it's interesting that sort of... Yeah, we weren't dis- we weren't discerning about our hip. It was yeah. just like, whoa, you know, it was just just the ability to do it yeah. and to play with a drum machine and to get in a studio. That was just that was enough. You know, I was just that was the most exciting thing in the world.
0: So at the parties, you'd beatbox. It, how would you would you go to instrumentals or but everything?
1: Usually just beatbox because again we didn't have a de- we didn't know no. a DJ. Right. I didn't I didn't yeah. know a DJ. Right. I didn't know anybody who had any turntables. Any turn- I didn't have a mic. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was, it was basically <laughs> you had to beatbox to make the beat, you know. Mm. It was not it was it wasn't even a it, it wasn't even a thing. I guess in the eight, late 80s, you know, beatboxing was still a thing. <laughs> you know, it never cel- went away. It never yeah. went away, but it was a seller. You know, yeah. you, fat boys and people like yeah. that would, would, would beatbox on record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 um, yeah. That sort of thing, you know. It's <laughs> cool stuff.
0: Where did Rhythm Slave come from? Grace Jones, I always thought. But Grace Jones, yeah. Is it?
1: Oh. The story go. this is the legend of our naming is that the band I mentioned earlier, we rehearsed for weeks. The song, a self written song, All right. to perform at a uh, music talent quest Ooh. thing. And we'd spent ages on it. And Otis came along as just to support us, you know, just to give us cheer us on and stuff. So it's like the audition night, you know, at our school. And so we did our thing and packed away the drums and stuff. And then we saw another, there was another rap group on uh, who got it up and performed with Beatbox and stuff. And Otis and I looked at each other like, we can do that we've, we've got a song you know yeah so we went down to the thing except we've got like can we be a late entry is it too late to enter we want to enter right and so we did and they say well what's your name and we hadn't even thought we hadn't even ah. discussed the name talk about freestyle and otis went um oh, uh, mcoj and I went mm, rhythm slave because I liked Grace Jones, yeah. and because at that time I was just I wasn't rapping. I was just I was just mostly beatboxing. beatboxing. I rap a little bit, but it was mostly I was I was the but beat. You're,
0: but you're better than Otis. <laughs>
1: well <laughs> i don't know at that time i mean i i i i don't know i don't know i hubbard said once i remember hubbard said once and i remember it hurt <laughs> it was like it was like um oh look at this oh so otis has got all the personality and you've got the and you've got the voice that's him and i was like oh ouch that hurts but you know i'll take it i do have the voice and i'll put it to work so well, we can hassle us more if you want. No, no, no. I don't want to hassle load at all. Because I
0: watched Static, the video his brother did.
1: That, that's that's a good Amazing, video. Eh? That's a great Can't video. Cool. It's a fucking cool video. Oh, it's
0: actually, there's a scene where the car comes down, and I can see a big tall building up the top, and I thought it was those units up by the Grayland School.
1: <laughs> I've got no idea. No. I've no, got no idea. That video is so
0: cool. And, um, it, didn't, it didn't really make any it didn't, its impact, wasn't it? Sort of, I guess you were hoping for more for that one. Yeah. And yeah, was, I guess so. Yeah. It's sort of just sort of like, I was looking at, oh, where did it chart and where did it do? And I was thinking, yes. No, yeah, we didn't whatever. really,
1: I mean, uh, um, when the MCO Jam Rhythm Slave record, got, well, that was a big, that was actually kind of a big deal. Mm. Like that, that shit, we, I think that record charted and, you know, we, you know, I think we got in the top 10 with the, the album made the top 10 and the single made the top 20 and, and at that time, I guess, Otis and I were like, we were hard working. Like we, we, performed all the time so and i i still argue that we were probably the single hardest working live Mm. rap group in the country because there was not a weekend would go by where we didn't play yeah and because we were a two-man show yeah we came became very easy for other bands to take on as support right so and there was no Hip hop scene to speak of,
0: no,
1: no. Uh, and Otis and I again were shameless, fearless. So it was like, it, you know, if push push, mm. and we're doing a concert and they asked us to do support, we would do the support. Uh. You know, Headless Chickens took us on. Like, we toured with Chickens for like four or five years. Wow, we went to Australia with the Chickens, and and part of that was because Grant Fell, rest in peace. He was like, you know, we were. Easy to travel. We could would share a room, you know, we would yeah. share a room. We would help carry the sound the equipment and be roadies as well. We were multifaceted um road uh. ro- and roadworthy um kids. So we taught we taught extensively all around New Zealand and Australia with the chickens. And and we supported loads of, you know, international acts. Mm. I think we were always better as a live Thing than we ever were on record, you know.
0: New Zealand wasn't getting hip hop to take We didn't know how to record those drums.
1: No, no, it's we weird. did. And and I guess yeah, that's right. Is I mean, it's, you you kind of like now I look back, I was like, holy hell, the the pressure was always so on. It was like, okay, we've got one hour, record that, get get it right. You know, you got three, you got two takes. You yeah. know, there was never, there's no, there was no mm-hmm. deliberating over yeah. your bars, and it was like, do it. Oh, that's a take. Boom, 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 yeah, boom. Yeah, yeah, boom. Yeah. You know, time was so. Yeah, it was really just you're always under the pump, you know.
0: <laughs> Did you ever but, get form any of the songs live, and then get to?
1: Yeah, there was a yeah, bit of that yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I think for us as well, that was live was our was our domain. Mm-hmm. So we were in many ways we were more comfortable on stage than we were in a studio. Yeah. We didn't ha- because and we didn't have the studio experience or the knowledge of. Sonics yeah. and stuff. I mean, all the. If I could apply what I knew now, yeah. my God, about. I think Otis and I were very lucky because we did get that opportunity mm. and we did get the chance and we worked it really hard. And and pe- people were like, yeah, it was one of those things. We just we, you know, we were not scared of a of of, of a crowd that was um an angry crowd. That was like a challenge. That was mm. like a red rag to a bull. It mm-hmm. was like, okay, I'm going to win you. We're yeah. going to win you over. You really
0: see Otis working really well in that situation too. Like he. Could can always charm. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah,
1: That was our mission. We would we we often play in front of um, you know angry crowds or crowds mm-hmm. that were certainly not respect- receptive to rap. And I, I would still, again, I'd argue, I'd say we were probably the first rappers that most New Zealanders had seen I at actually that do, time.
0: I believe that, and I also think I always felt there was a sort of look in your eyes that we, we got to do this now. Like yeah, this is what we're doing, and we this we're is, on a mission. Yeah. yeah,
1: we were on a mission, man. We, we and we definitely felt like. You know because there was such um adver- there was so much um i don't know was it the word animosity yes you know the music scene in up and down the country it was so rock orientated mm-hmm. you know you forever it was like well, yeah. where's your guitars yeah. you know where's your guitars you know what's going on and you know at that time as well in new zealand music there was just a lot of i mean there's a lot of great bands don't get me wrong i i, I I'm, I'm, again i'm open to loads of music but you know in the new zealand music scene there was a lot of shoegazing sort of very mm. dark sort of, you know, stare at your shoes, strum your guitar, yeah. sort, of, sort of very dark, very moody sort yeah. of music. And I think we really wanted to be the antithesis of that, Yeah, that we wanted to just, yeah, no, we're here to party. Yeah, yeah we're here to let go. Yeah, we're going to dance around, go crazy and make dicks of ourselves. You know what I mean? Like we we wanted to be the absolute opposite yeah, of cool. the shoegazing buzz yeah. and, that, and that by going out and doing it, we were sort of on a mission to sort of change that um, – perception mm. of how of how music should be played or presented
0: or, yeah right right or, or that hip-hop's one-dimensional bad guy
1: yeah you know, like i mean yeah we I, that's the thing it's like i guess i realized that more now than i did then but yeah there's nothing wrong with a good party jam you know what i mean like it's like that was that was good that's what mm. got us through you know so yeah we we had a lot of fun
0: yeah. Look, I've got otis rhythm slave out and i was glad it was it was all voted for by um Grace Jones. She was great down the road.
1: Oh, <laughs> the, one of the best. It was so great.
0: And I loved it because My Jamaican Guy's, her song, My Jamaican Guy, was epic.
1: It was so beautiful. It was so great to see her in our neighborhood. Grace Jones. And then that horrible Australian band Peking Duck came ah, on after and killed insane. the vibe. Wasn't it was that the worst? worst? Yeah. God, they suck.
0: It was a muscle-bound, <laughs> there was muscle-bound gym, guys, with an all-black on the screens. Like, this is the worst-case scenario. Oh, for, um, that gives house music a bad really I really
1: wish that she, you know, Grace Grace had played in Queenstown and done the full two-hour show oh. down there. I really, it was a bit out of my reach at that point, but uh, I would have loved to have gone and seen the full show. I didn't
0: know she was tiny. This is a woman who was out calling the coolest of New York. So if it's a New York club, they'd bow to her feet, like she yeah. was cooler than the coolest. Yeah, she and then is you super cool. This is tiny little.
1: Oh, I love her. She's all amazing.
0: Cost, all costume the whole time. I was thinking, how did so you've obviously wound down O.J. Red and Slave quite um, a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but. Well, you know, it's one of those doesn't things. Really end, does never
1: it? really ended. It they. just kind of morphed. Mm. It morphed into working with D.R.T. True working, Which became You know And by this point After playing all these clubs And doing all the shows Eventually You know Eventually we met some DJs Right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And Roger Perry You know Roger Perry Roger oh, Yeah um, And then And Daryl And Daryl and Roger Were good friends You know Um, uh, Roger was a very accomplished Club DJ Already by that point And I know I know he taught Daryl A few tricks right, right Before right. the end of it You know They yeah. were good friends DLT sort of was kind of, you know, he was still doing Up Hot Posse and we would do gigs together and then it'd be like, oh, Darryl, can you DJ for us? Can you select for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so he would do that and then we would get, if we got a gig, we were, like I said, we were hardest working (laughs) band in show business at that point. It's like, we'd have another gig. Hey, Darryl, do you want to come DJ for us? He would come DJ for us. It was a gig for Daryl, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And so he'd come do that and stuff like that. And I think over time, you know, Daryl, he, you know, even though we were sort of the, anti- we were completely different to his sort of headspace, he actually had a lot of fun with us, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that was for Daryl, I don't know, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but I feel like, you know, he actually, he had a good time with us. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes the, with, Posse, with our Posse, it was like, there because...
0: There's a seriousness. There was to the a posture. serious. There's yeah. a
1: serious. The message was serious. That mm. that was real. Mm. But there was. But there's a burden with that. You know what I mean. And it, whereas we were just like, let's 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 turn turn it up and make a party and let's have some well, fun.
0: I think politics and DJing don't aren't on the same coin at all. You know, when you're you're there to please a crowd. Well, they are it, if
1: you're it, it, playing it, in, a, in a band yeah. like that, and they and they can be just through the your music or the music you you choose to. Um, no,
0: but as a club DJ, you're trying to keep a crowd happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're a DJ in a political band,
1: yeah, that's <laughs> it's right.
0: A, it's a hard. So
1: I just think I oh, no, was just I think it was just a thing. One, there was gigs. It was extra money for Tara, mm. and he had a good time, and mm. we would and we would have a good time together. So um, that sort of thing, and also by that point, um, we were, you know we were also you know we were all a little bit older, and we also started having more ideas about the music we wanted to make, mm. not just oh my God, you got a drum machine. Give us a beat. Yeah. It was more like...
0: Hey, that's a disco sample. No. You know what I mean?
1: Well, we wouldn't even think that <laughs> no, deeply yeah, on it. Right, right You know right, what I mean? Right. That's the thing. We didn't right. think that deeply yeah. about it. It was like, oh, that's a beat, yeah. you know? Mm. Whereas, uh, I guess by the time we started working with Daryl and actually making music with mm. him, it was like, oh i love dub music let's make a dub song yeah, yeah. i love re- you know yeah. i love reggae music let's make a reggae song i love funk let's make a funk song yeah, yeah. you know we had the means to which to actually do it mm. we and started and we started to learn a few tracks and learn about recording and instruments yeah. so by the time we did you know we were touring a lot with daryl it was MCOJ Rhythm Save and DLT, yeah. you know, on many a bill. And then we just decided to call it, give it a name for us, which was Joint Force. And that was that evolution. Mm-hmm. And then we spent months at, at, with Angus McNaughton at yes. the Incubator Studios.
0: Angus has been chosen by Tere Moana as my next. Oh, individual. fantastic. So, yeah, I'm trying to hunt He's, he's, he's like,
1: another one. He's, I mean, he's a genius. I know. heard. Um, he's a sonic <laughs> genius. His, you know, he really is a sonic genius and his little studio up on Simon Street, the incubator, mm-hmm. was just awesome. The Headless Chickens had recorded there and I guess that's how we sort of made that yep. connect. You know, he was just a really, he's just a real uh, scientific right Madman, you know, what I mean, right. he knew he he really knew his stuff, and so he kind of was able to process all our crazy ideas and influence and mm-hmm. sort of make it sound good, you cool. know. And so he taught us a lot, you know. He, you know, I always think I'm so grateful, to, you know, letting us on his mic- mixing desk, you know, four, four or five of us all hands on doing dubs, you know, doing a pass or two tape, yeah, and dubbing out stuff you know that experience you know you just don't get Just no one does that anymore but we got to do that you know Mm. things like that and yeah i mean i learned so much about recording and early pro tools and all Mm. these things that everyone just takes for granted now angus was my first introduction to that so he was very instrumental in um, and making that in that in that second in the joint force project, he was totally he was he effectively he was our fourth member, yeah. and he um
0: he's the Hank Shockley no who's the yeah Eric, Eric Vietnam he was the yeah he was Rick
1: Rubin he was you know he was the he he knew what he's doing I mean Daryl had ideas I had idea we all had ideas mm. but Angus could make it happen he knew he knew how to make he it happen one
0: of those technical artists because now i'm pretty sure it's him into photography now beautiful
1: is photographs too mm. he takes so photographs it is him. No, he's angus angus is great he's re, he's really great mm, yeah. cool
0: and so you morphed into the radio show
1: yeah well that i mean that came out of that was
0: bfm first wasn't so it was
1: bfm yeah, yeah of course yeah. i i was like because as even you know as a young kid it was like one of our first times in the studio was going up to bfm and recording a rap for bfm right again we'd been playing at the clubs maybe it was nick d'angelo or someone like that I was like do you guys want to do a bfm rap and we'd be like yeah and so we go up to the station and we did recorded that and that was that came out on a cassette release in like 1989 hey. or whatever and uh in love with these rhymes it was called and then we just used to hang out as many musicians mm did sort of loitering in the halls of auckland university when they mm-hmm. weren't running around doing gigs or whatever they're sitting up in the up in the in the common room it, and uh yeah i was one of those kids i was loitering at bfm and then um, it sort of started like i was doing the raps and then ed eddie chambers who was the engineer there he was one part of nemesis yes no we've had yoast with okay studio, gotcha, yeah. gotcha gotcha so you know we used to hang there and eddie would be like yo mark you know you should." can you come voice this ad come since you're here mm. since you loitered, why don't you come voice this I do that and then and I started doing more of it and and Eddie it was Eddie who said you know Mark you could probably do this mm. for like you know you could do, do this could be a job for you and I was like oh like it didn't occur to me that that's people did that sort of thing for a job and um yeah I guess I just loitered around for long enough that eventually I used to sit in with um, Stinky Jim, sit in with Dubhead, um, got to, ended up covering maybe their shows once or twice, you know right, what I mean, right, yep. in their absence. And then um, Graham Hill, who was also up at BFM mm-hmm. at that time, he came to me and said, I think at that time, you know, again, hip-hop was just ex- growing exponentially. It was getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. There was a couple shows including Murray's show Land of the Good Groove yeah. and um, Beats Per Minute, which was yeah. Simon Griggs' Simon, show. Yeah. And that's where you could hear rap music right. on the radio. Yeah, pretty. That was about it. Yeah. That was where you'd hear it in, in a context, yeah. you know. And um, Graham was like, we need a hip-hop show. What about you guys start a hip-hop show, you know? Mm. And I went to, and I was like, whoa, yeah, okay. And so I went to Daryl and said, hey, bro, we got an opportunity to start a hip-hop show, you mm. know? And then, um, and he went to, I think, and then at that point, Daryl was like, well, far out. Yeah, let's do this, but we need some records. Severe works at the record shop. All oh, right. Let's get to, let's yeah. call Severe, call Severe, And then, and we named it the True School Hip-Hop Show. Yeah, yeah. And then, so that was my, that was my first, like, uh, that was, that was our gig, you know what yeah. I mean? That was, I, I'd loitered around, I'd voiced ads, I'd done, bits and pieces around bfm but that was the true school was sort of the where okay this is this is up to you guys yeah you know? so that was yeah that was the start of that and you know right, we did that for a few years we do it all together then we'd sort of swap out you know it'd be severe and base severe and base yeah um we'd do it as a team me and daryl would do it a team yeah. sometimes we'd come together yeah but after a while it kind of came we'd do these two shows you know yeah and then um and then eventually it was just going, I was like, uh, the drive show on BFM came up. There was an opportunity there yeah. and I pretty, and I kind of left the hip hop show to go do drive every Wednesday yeah, okay, night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A real show. Yeah. Like a, well, like a real runner. St- that was like the real baptism where it's just like, you're actually doing runner station stuff and right, learn right. how to, you know.
0: Cause you know, it's, it's interesting that Eddie's noticed your voice because, um, Dave, who I do music um, with, he's English, and he, you know he knows your voice. He said once he picked it, mm. oh, because we arrived that terrible day. What? <laughs> Dave and I arrived at the studio. I remember we were cu- plugging a song, and I just turned to Dave and said, "I think we should do the show, Dave." And then he's like, "Okay." And we tried to work out the desk. But anyway, oh, that's
1: right, that was a terrible day. A terrible
0: day. We won't talk about that now. Yeah. Uh, once that's when he picked the voice. He goes, "Oh my god, it's everywhere. I said, "Oh yeah, the soft American accent with the gravel." <laughs> <laughs> but it's you've got a there's a there's an amount of man-child as well. So you've got this low gravelly voice, yeah. but it's not intimidating. Y- there's yeah. an American twang to it, but it's not.
1: It's not overly American. No,
0: and of course the Californian accent mm-hmm. is almost the the TV radio accent.
1: It's funny though. I've got such a mongrel accent. It doesn't well, particularly now. Maybe less so then, but now it's just a real mashup. You know, it doesn't. It's not very hard to pick.
0: No, if someone said, said, "Oh, you're from up Alaska Way or something," you go, "Yeah, sure." You yeah. know, it's just such a, me- it's not a mess, but it's a mix, I mean. I don't even, I don't bother,
1: I don't bother explaining to people anymore. <laughs> no, it's I, a
0: great voice. I and used to have, I, fe- I
1: used to feel like I had to explain to people, but now I don't, I don't care. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: like, Americans are still a foreign thing. You know, like, hey, what's yeah.
1: that? But it's funny, but if I go to America, they go, where are you from? Yeah, yeah. They don't, rec- they, uh, Americans do not recognise my accent as being American.
0: Australians think I'm English. Oh, do they? Yeah, weird. That's weird when did mo show happen in amongst all this because mo show was great
1: yeah the Mo show was amazing so the Mo show was basically at that time uh you know 1999 or what, 98 99 or whatever you know um there was you know we were we, we were still doing the bfm show uh, the drive show mm-hmm. it was hugely popular i was djing every wednesday night to crazy madhouse on Ponce road at the safari lounge um, that was just, like, mm. a crazy hip-hop heaven mm. on Wednesday nights for many for, like, seven years, eight years. And then uh, at that time, you know, um, TV and all that, they were, like, getting open to, like, all these sort of, um, you know, local programming and stuff.
0: Mm. Like The Living Room and all those slightly better.
1: Havoc, Havoc Show, you know, mm. Havoc Newsboy Show was out, out. And there was, like, and, you know, the Back of the white guys, you know, yeah, yeah. they were making stuff and. Um, and we were all bfm alumni mm-hmm. you know so we were all doing it and anyway we were just like uh, a production company were like hey if you guys were going to make a show what, what how would you do it i say, well i'd travel around the world and i'd go find interesting people and st- styles of music people that we like and new zealanders doing cool shit overseas and yeah and then so so that's what we did we 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 got we bought, we purchased some cameras and we 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 basically filmed a pilot, Otis. Yes. He, he, he'd, he'd had a little side gig as dri- right. driver to the stars. And on, on around that time, he'd been driving Robbie Williams around town. And um, and then Robbie had invited him to go up to England and be his personal tattooist. Because Otis, oh, other right. side gig, of no. course, was tattooing. And Robbie's got one of his tats. And, yeah. And, and um, I- Oak gets this opportunity. And it was like, oh, quick, give him a camera. Mm-hmm. And so we gave Oat a camera and he went off. And then while Oat took off, there was a bit of hustle going on here. And then next minute we were both off separately Mm. filming stuff with our little handy cams with no real clear idea of what we... How
0: much was you really bumping into people and how much of it was really organised? Both.
1: It was both. But there was a lot of just us hustling on there and and blagging our ways into situations. By the second series we had help and researchers, Mm. thanks to Mm. Dom Nola and and um scat and stuff they like they, we had help mm. but the first time was just us and really winging it wow. you know really 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 winging it because at that time you know you could dummy up a fake backstage pass yeah true and, and we did that <laughs> so so we would find ourselves in some pretty um cool situations but also you know the the you know the the network our network was strong you know mm. we knew people who knew people mm. and so we would just you know reach out to people and so we just shoot the shit out of it and then came home and figured out how yeah, to make yeah. it a show. We didn't really know. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. I met
0: that editor. He was really good. Sam. Yes, that's right.
1: But he was a young guy too. And, you know, he, he was he was learning too. So mm. he it was like, yeah, it was a baptism of fire for yeah. all of us, you know.
0: Yeah. Because his approach was fresh. It really suited you guys. and yeah, yeah, totally. And we
1: were determined to keep that. You know, we, we really didn't want to, you know, we did this ourselves or we need to go into a more professional s- studio or something like that. And. I think Otis and I really fought to keep it, right. keep our little team together. Right. We, even though it's costly to do it, but we were determined to do it because it, I think we realised that that sort of cocktail right. was was a good one to was keep. was a secret sauce, yeah. yeah.
0: Cool. And you are still so we were connecting our way to Ferretti, so that's got you into the cameras, which then got you the gig with Marty Television. Is that? <laughs> <No>? uh, <laughs> no, yeah,
1: anyway. I guess so. Yep. Um, Far out. I think it's. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> you know, I, we had success with the show. We did three seasons. We did four. We did like a s- couple specials and three seasons of the show. But our funding was very low. We ne- we never received New Zealand on air or any funding. It was all. Oh, wow! It was all sponsor you know i had no
0: idea right
1: yeah we never were funded properly for that show and that annoyed us. that i mean we got bitter about it because right. we were like well how come matthew ridge and bloody f- yeah. what's his fucking face yeah. um yeah, yeah. and yeah. getting paid like 40 g's an episode to put in their pocket mm. and we're doing that's the whole that's half our entire budget mm. you know what i mean we got a bit um we got a bit pissed off about that.
0: I, I can see that, yeah. But, uh, with Back of the wire Well, Back of the wire was in the same situation. Uh, but, like, but they sort of rel- relished the fact that they could be much worse because there wasn't a... <laughs> there's these strings that's attached. right. Well, that's
1: right. <laughs> and, and that's, that's, that was true of us too. It's like without that, without the big corporate funding, or big, without the full support of the network, we were sort of mm. able to do a lot of risky shit that we mm. otherwise wouldn't be allowed to do.
0: Am, am I right in feeling I was scared when you were interviewing the boys with the big, twisty, low-riding bicycles? Is no, the right?
1: guys, yeah, we just wandered up. That was at Orchard Beach. It's in the Bronx. It's the Orchard Beach in the Bronx and New right. York, the, the, the Puerto Rican bike right, right, right. bike crews and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that. funny. That was the thing. that We trusted the things that we loved, i.e. low-rider bikes, mm. low-rider cars, mm. hip-hop music, yeah. uh, uh, street art, all these things that we were really passionate about we just ha- we just had full belief that if we presented this and show it to everybody out there you know you're gonna love it too you might not know about it yeah. you don't know it yet but you're gonna love it yeah. and the thing is is that and at, to, to try and convince network executives and people like that was often a challenge you know right, yeah. but we we got there and i mean the amount of people i still to this day i mean this is t- this is 20 Ooh, years ago really um but they go oh my god that show just changed my life or oh my god you just i that i saw stuff on there that just yeah it just blew me away and i'm still so down with that or you know the amount of young kids whose minds were altered from telling their parents oh yeah no i'm going to bed and then they'd stay up till 10 o'clock and flip you know flip on the tv and watch it i i to this day i I mean i'm sure i will say the same thing i still get that uh, all the time.
0: Wow, and that was cool. And it wasn't, yeah, you know, the media hype stuff. It was the
1: it was the underground. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, cool. we, it was the, we, we, but we were genuinely passionate about that ourselves, and we just wanted to mm. share that with the with the with the unsuspecting yeah. New Zealand public. I mean, I I, lo- I love the idea of some kid living in the middle of nowhere in the South Island. Yeah discovering low rider bikes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, that, that to me that was always like, wow, I just wanna crack these kids' heads open. <laughs> yeah, you know? they're, they're, no. And I not th- and and we did. Mm. And we did. Cool. So, yeah.
0: so I'm re- I'm doing redoing my segue to Fat
1: Freddy's oh, yes. I'm gonna rebuild it. Okay.
0: So obviously your filming experience goes up. you you've now started Looking more seriously into film, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Or well, television, at least.
1: Television. It was into television, but as I said, uh, you know, we loved doing the show, but we were, we really felt like, you know, we were really we were working hard, and we was really not much back You know, we were on TV. That yeah. was about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it wasn't. It was. It was tough, and I think Oat and I got incredibly sort of frustrated by the fact that we we didn't feel like. They, we were
0: well. You're fighting a fight, and not feeling supported. You know,
1: we won. We won best entertainment series at the two thousand one two television awards. All this stuff, but we thought, oh, cool. Now we've made it. You know, now they'll give us a real budget, and we can do some really cool stuff. I was like, y- well, you did it for this much last time. You, yeah. you, you don't need it. You, you don't need it. You've already proven that you can yeah, win yeah. awards on no budget. Yeah. So why? So it was that situation? So we. Uh yeah, we got frustrated about that and we in the end we just actually pulled the plug. Just, they were all saying let's do another one and and oh, no, I were are just we're fed up. Nah. We're fed up with our production company, we're fed up with the yeah. network and we realized that we didn't like working in TV that. Much. Right, right, right. It was just kind of like we loved it, don't get me wrong, uh, but I but they made you hate it. Isn't that nice? It was yeah, I mean, in a strange way. Yeah, they did. Yeah, it's I mean it's a funny old world, but uh you know, again, it was just kind of like fire out. What do you got to do? So anyway, we we skipped that, and uh, again, I was still doing the radio during all this time, and still um, doing, you know, my, DJing at night. You know, by this mm-hmm. time, I was actually DJing yeah. fairly regularly. When the we were doing Mo Show, we'd f- done a feature on the Freddies and Trinity Roots. Right. Uh, yeah. When they played in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. um, so we'd already chased. You know, I was I was a, I've been a huge I was a huge fan of theirs. Mm-hmm. From the beginning, uh, yeah. so yeah, we'd already chased them around Europe and uh, to Amsterdam, did a feature on them and Trinity Roots, and then yeah, and so yeah, it was maybe a year or two later when the when the multi TV docker came up, it was like right, join that and went off on that, and of course you know I was filming and I was doing the interviews, and then it was like you know Dallas would be like, oh why don't you come rap on that song, you know just come bust some rhymes, you know since you can do that as well, like, okay, so I do that, you know jump up for a song. Sweet, you know, mm. do my thing. And um, and yeah, and that just sort of, uh, honestly, just sort of very naturally uh, in the sort of, in a crazy Freddie's way, right? Th- in the crazy way that f- Freddie seems to work, it sort of morphed into I became a touring member of the band and crew. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like, it was that one time I was like, oh, this will be the, this is it. That was fun. Yeah. First and last time. And it's like, six months later oh so Matt we're doing this thing do you want to come Uh, yeah okay this will be the last time Ah. six months later okay We're going on Do you want to come on this tour? Yeah, okay. But I'm sure this, surely this is the last time. You know what I mean? Wow. But uh, and then no, it just sort of it just morphed, and now just I've been doing it for for over 15 years.
0: I heard through Ned Star, who sometimes travels with them, because Ned's
1: been playing guitar for the last couple of years. Yeah,
0: and he said that he reckons the band likes having you there. So it's not just your skill set. He (laughs) he actually believes that the the unit is happier with you there because of your energy. Did you know that?
1: Um. I don't we have it's an interesting that it's it's great. Oh, it's great that that's Ned's observation. That's a compliment. I will take that as a compliment, and mm. I love Ned. Um, I've I mean I've known Ned since high school. That's the that's the other crazy thing. I've known Ned.
0: He's another background superstar. Uh,
1: well, he's Sup- supports unsung, maybe sung hero, but he is a superstar and a good friend mm. of mine. And um, so f- to have someone that I've known since I was like fifteen mm. to now be touring Europe with him yeah, with yeah. the Freddies, is quite yeah a true. whole another thing for me wow um but, but it's like um yeah i guess that's true i think that's a big part of it i i, I wouldn't claim that like i would never but claim it that
0: you're you're a new zealander now you don't claim things like that uh,
1: but i think there's an element of that i think i did have a way um i could share a lot of my experience with them and in doing so help them mm. um you know keep you know propel through the through all the all the, um, right. you know, the peaks and valleys of the music industry. To,
0: to segue peaks and valleys, did they get to Europe this year? Do you know what the situation is?
1: So we got on the plane, you know, from leaving New Zealand, knowing that, you know, that, that there was definitely a chance that a number of our shows would not happen. Right, yeah. But we had to go mm-hmm. um, to at least show Showface yep. and say, hey, we're here, we're ready to play. Mm. Yeah. So we did, we got to Frankfurt and we did one show, I did one dj gig then me and scott towers and ned we did did a dj thing the night before and then we did our show in frankfurt and basically between, between the time we went on stage and the time we came off stage you know half the tour had fallen over wow you know and so and then it was and so we were actually in a position where you you're in europe you've got 14 band and crew members yeah and suddenly you're in a situation where you're actually debating. Well, we could just go park up in the south of France for a few days until see if, if just in case that gig uh, still goes ahead. Holy! Anyway, so we uh, by the by the end of it we drove to Berlin, thinking, okay, surely Berlin will go ahead. Berlin always rocks on, and our, sh- our gig sat down, and then it was basically a race foot to the border, to back to New Zealand. Wow! So we because you know it was like well hoping that we could connect you know that singapore wasn't going to shut down so yeah. therefore i connect we yeah, exactly. couldn't get home and you we, don't want to go through hong kong well we couldn't at that point we couldn't at that point and um so yeah it was supposed to be like 50 shows or something and it turned into one
0: wow and how does that affect the how does that affect everything for the machine the fat freddy's kind of because well, 14 people to support that's suddenly pooey
1: no absolutely no 100 percent. i mean i guess uh yeah no it's a big hit <laughs> for everyone you mm-hmm. know but it's one of those things that's kind of um i also you know have taken hard that you know it's not like it's just us it's like everybody yeah, true, true, you know well look at know? us you and, know we do
0: events for a living and we're just doing cancellations for a living right yeah, now. you're
1: doing cancellations i mean freddy's is an incredible uh band that has a fantastic international reputation mm. for live performance and so i mean i like to think that whenever we do make it back the fans will be there. Oh, they will be. Yeah, and um, and you know, so that it's but, but yeah, I mean, considering how much we have toured over the over the years and how this has just put a full stop to it. Yeah, it's definitely a bit. It's definitely a big change. Yeah, yeah. But um, but also, you know, I think it's like allowed for, um, I think that the you know the bonuses, I guess, is that you know the people. <laughs> we've had all that extra time with the families yeah, yeah, yeah. um we've um you know time to make new music yeah which sometimes when you're under the pressure of, of touring and yeah. doing all these other things it's to Did find it, that time <laughs> yeah. is hard yeah yeah so i guess you know to look at the positives those are the cool things yeah. that are happening happen what, what, what,
0: so you've got lots of voice work still to do are you DJing. you're DJing a lot still
1: i mean yeah no i do i do dj a bit and i still work i still do radio work various radio work and i still do voice over work and i make beats and stuff at home mostly just for my own pleasure as you do but yeah. you know particularly in this lockdown in the lockdown time it's i've really kind of gotten and just I uh, love i've really enjoyed kind of making making yeah. my beats oh, I, I think i'm amazing <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's just like it's just an exp- it's just a means of expression, and just um, and I find it. You know, I'm more inclined these days to kind of go downstairs and make beats than I am to turn on Netflix. Yeah, true.
0: I, I I totally believe that. I'd rather make something than just be scrolling on an endless scroll. Also, it took me a long time to realize that the people just playing acoustic guitar and just enjoying it, like that's the same. Yeah, as making a beat. That's right. Just as fun to get your brain involved in it.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. It's like uh, I've made. Th- i love making beats i love playing i love touring you know i love hanging out with, you know when he's making beats and stuff like and he lets me at the uh play a hi-hat or something like that that just like buzzes me out you know what i mean mm-hmm. but then someone like him has got loads of experience actually finishing things yes. and actually putting them out yeah, yeah. and i think that's the thing it's like I, I like i said i just do it for fun and enjoyment and therapy you yeah, know yeah. um and but you know yeah of course i'd love to get to the stage where i can actually see a thought from right. that moment that moment of just pure creativity to a finished right. to a, yeah okay no i'm not afraid of the world hearing this or, or yeah yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I would like to think i will get to that stage uh, uh, you know sometime
0: awesome hey um i've got to you got to choose a song that you're just proud to be a part of <laughs> didn't have to tell him one i didn't she said oh, i just like the new stuff i'm doing she, she didn't give me one
1: she didn't give, even give you one but, she's so clever mate i know well, that's she's really clever her ability to wear all those hats really does blow. but i mean i would argue that a lot of the stuff you do you know it's they are interrelated there's an artisticness to 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 the things that you don't the, your different pursuits and different yeah. things that you've made it's all story of some kind i mean what didn't you teach Moo how to use the npc uh, is that a true story?
0: Uh, um,
1: or helped him or something no, like I that? No, I helped
0: everyone with trying to get behind that. You see, he
1: helped everyone. See, this is. Uh, I, no, I no, guess no, when you're no, on.
0: Moo and I trained the NPCs at Red Bull. we I used to teach MP- NPC at Red ah,
1: Bull. Ah, I see. And we
0: did a thing together. So I've got a bit of clip of him saying, oh, if Christian knows what he's doing and then something like that. But uh, no, <laughs> the only thing I told Moo was I said, oh, I told Dallas you'll be a star. I knew that was going to happen. That, well, that wasn't a hardcore. God, you are tall, dark, and handsome. Now. All I said to him was, this is my job, everybody. I tell what piece of gear to get. I got him to make the role in Space Echo. I said, if you've got a Space Echo, you're going to sit in place with it. And that was, I think that was more important for him to have the right dub unit Oh man! Because I hate that NPC's using. He's one like that. I don't like those. You don't like it. I got this one here, and then three thousand. Oh no! He's so
1: moved on for that. He's in. He's in. He's he's in the twenty first century right, now.
0: Finally, because those are horrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's an NPC. Two thousand. So he to, did start for off refer-
1: with that. Oh yeah. No, for years he wouldn't, go, he wouldn't For years But no, he's moved, he's w- well and truly in the twenty first century. Yeah, right. But the dub echo still has place of prominence. It
0: has. Yeah. That role in Space Echo. We'll put it in the show
1: notes. It's just gold. <laughs> yeah. Everything must go through that <laughs> at some so point. Good. So good. It's it's. it's some point.
0: It's mm, a cool machine.
1: But um oh, what was oh god this this song question. Oh god man. Well, I mm, there's a couple.
0: Okay. You're allowed a couple. And then I can make a call.
1: <laughs> well, I lo- I lo- you brought it up earlier. I love Static. I, I think, think Static it's a fucking because, great song. Yeah. And I think um I think the lyrics are um The remix is awesome. The remix yeah. is awesome. Mm um uh, but i love the i i actually love our version i think it's just it's dirty and awesome and i think and i think the sentiment of the lyric i really i think holds up to this day probably more than anything i've ever written nice as far as that it was was all about it's it predates social media but it's talking about social media Uh,
0: cool yeah Uh,
1: and if you listen to the lyrics you'll understand what i'm saying i i really I, I the kind of both, when i i listened to it again i don't know maybe last year or whatever and i did kind of go holy shit you know you're kind of like talking about stuff that's kind of very relevant but didn't exist
0: that is um, weird
1: and if you listen properly it's kind of it, that is the angle of the song you know it's very interesting and i guess um i love um <laughs> no i'm gonna go with static because the sentiment's right
0: and that's more what these songs are about the one that you feel like you got the right message across or something like that so I think static's. yeah I think
1: static I just think lyrically and stuff it was like the uh, the concept was good and I just I feel like yeah it feel like it's sort of really strangely prophetically relevant wow I'm not trying to say no, I'm right, like
0: I, I, you know, I want to end on that this is good stuff
1: it's relevant
0: wow cool
2: Sharing and daring, still despairing That one of them scaring with force Bleary, bleary from the information Over the doors your door abode A fine example of a